toe and frog. Willem bat, tongue and dog. Adder's fork and blind worm's sting. Barbados lime is just the thing. Fregger's sword like a sailor's stubble. Flip the switch and let the cauldron bubble. <laughs> How convivial. <laughs> On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we hop on our brooms and we fly up to Long Island to explore some practical magic that is neither practical nor magic, but rather a series of quite unfortunate bouts of bad luck perpetuated by over 200 years of generational trauma passed down through a matriarchal family in Hallis Hoffman's Practical Magic and the 1998 screen adaptation of the same name. And we asked the question, is Alice Hoffman's characterization of feminine agency really that fucking toxic? Also, where is the magic and what is so practical about it? Welcome back, everyone. Uh, To all our returning listeners, we love you so very much. And if you're listening to us for the first time, this is Read, Watch, or DNF. We are a bookish podcast where we, Mel B, and the Jackie D. Hello. And then there's A. She's here again, too. Hi, 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 hi. (laughs) We're your hosts. Uh, We talk about book-to-screen adaptations. We we read them, and then we, we watch them. And then we talk about them, usually fairly drunk. That was how this whole podcast came to be. We were drunk. It was a drunk idea. So here we are. And if you're here with us, who hurt you? <laughs> Typically, we flip a coin, per se, to see who will read or watch first. And then we come together and compare notes to discuss the order in uh, which we read watched affected our final reviews. News. Okay, so it's 2024 now. We made it to the new year. Pretty fucking wild. So far, I'm not going to jinx anything. I don't know if I have wood. Oh, I do have wood to knock on. So far, uh, it's been a good year. Publishing company, BDA Publishing. You can go to bdapublishing.com. You can sign up for our newsletter to get tons and tons of updates. Um, we, We have a lot going on this year. I think right now we have like seven novels projected. We have one, I believe, uh, March, April, May, like basically every month. And then starting February 1st, for everyone that's listening who's interested, we have a special submission window where we are open to manuscript submissions from BIPOC authors. And that will be one February to June 30th. It's a completely open. We will release the link where you can submit your manuscript. So we have that going on. A is with us. Her second book is coming out as well. Amelia, that'll be a little bit later in the year, about springtime. Uh, It is a epistolary horror novella. Very, very interesting. Uh, What else do we have going on? Anything big? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, we got lots of releases and that's really that's really it. Oh, that is a lot. Oh my God, Jackie's so loud. (laughs) Sorry. 
Oh, Jackie. You scared my cat. <laughs> it was a little scary. Okay, sorry. No, Jackie, we're not laughing at you. No, seriously. That was just like, whoa, why is that so fucking loud? Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, we do have our merch and our... Uh, we have our merchandise that's on the website. We did get an order today. That was exciting. You can do that. It was exciting. That was really yeah. exciting. Um, we also have our Patreon that's going strong. We're we're putting out our whip our Wednesday whips, which is our Wednesday work in project work in progress. God damn it! It's where all of our upcoming projects for this year we are releasing excerpts, so either like a paragraph or two, uh, with some. Uh, we also do the recs on Friday. We do a fringe rec based on the mood for that week. And the mood on Mondays we have our Monday moods where we give you a curated reading list based on whatever the mood is, or if we're promoting one of our upcoming projects, we give you sort of like a comparable, comparable reads for that with, now here's the best part, with a corresponding playlist. You know, if you get your those books and they have a playlist, especially like a, the eBooks or the Kindle Unlimited, where the author does a playlist. I know I like them sometimes. Um, but it's a thing, and we're doing it for you. We're taking time out of our day while well, our team is, and they're and they're good at it. I actually have saved some of these playlists, and I listen to them on repeat. So, Patreon, BDA Publishing, check us out. We have a one dollar tier and a three dollar tier. We are not trying to take a lot of money from anyone, but any dollar, any amount of money that you. Uh, support us with is is all going to authors and all going to the authors who don't usually get heard the ones that have to are forced to self-publish if that's they choose to go that route or um you know they're they're trying to query and people don't think because they don't think the story can sell but i believe social media has proven that every story has an audience so all your money if you give it to us that's where it goes Cool, 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 cool. Social media, you can find A at In The Ink Pot everywhere or maybe everywhere. Just just check it out. And for myself, you can find me at mcbell underscore reads. And then Jackie has accounts. She's not going to answer them, though, if you find her. So for each one of us, or you can find our um, our company accounts at BDA Publishing on all of them somebody's manning them at most of the time. So if you reach out, have a question or just want to say hi or whatever, reach out, somebody will answer. And uh, we hope you do. We like it. We like our inbox, getting those DMs, just slide right in. Jackie, who are our F-bombs going out to this week? Sisters, because reasons. Sisters, yeah. This big, big sister theme going on in this episode. It's disturbing. And it could be like, Blood sisters, or it could be, you know, just found family sisters. And Hell yeah. Like Hell yeah. Um, I've actually replaced Jackie and her family for the sister because I'm a better sister than Jackie is. So, hey, Mo, love you. Apparently so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jackie, what are we drinking? Well, I am drinking Abita Mardi Gras Bach. Uh, just strolling through the aisles at Total Wine the other day, and I saw it. I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. Jackie just said a whole bunch of words. No idea what that is. Is that a beer? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's a Bach. Oh, Bach is the beer word. Yeah. Oh, 
Okay. Cool. I learn something new every day. Well, I yep. am keeping with tradition. I am drinking something that is pink and bubbly, but only today because during the week I have given up sugar. So I got to get all of the coffee and caffeine and Cokes and whatever sugar drink I have in today. Eh? I'm simple. Yingling. Ooh. All right. Fair enough. Jackie, do we have a drinking game? Uh, the one and only that I found is from Tumblr. It is Sloshed Cinema. Oh. So they have two categories. There's a sip category and a big drink category. For the sip category, we have someone says witch or lover, which is a cringy word to me. I just... It, it is a... Yeah. It's right up there with that M word. <laughs> a, moist, a moist lover. Yeah, moist <laughs> Gross. Uh, Sip for a moment of tonal whiplash. What? Tonal whiplash. So it's like all happy and fun and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, super dark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Endless voiceover starts. Oh, (laughs) that is a thing it did. Or sip when the Islanders react poorly to an Owens sister. Oh, yeah. Got it. Category two, big drink. A death watch beetle can be heard, which there's probably a five minute block in the movie where it's nothing but death beetle. Uh, This one you would appreciate. Female liberation, question mark, question mark, question mark. Fuck yeah. And someone says Owen's woman. Owen's woman. Yes. Do they say that in the movie a lot? I think so. Really? That's just a weird phrase. Owen's woman. That's like me going Davis woman. Like what? (laughs) I think the ants say it a lot. Oh. Or in a voiceover, maybe it might happen. The the aunts do say it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The aunts do say it a lot. That's so weird. That's so weird. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie's going to hate us. And that is all. <laughs> Just fair warning to everyone. Um, this is a beloved book and movie to Jackie. And A and I book, came in. Yes. Not movie. Oh, okay. Well, A and I came in. This is the first time I've ever seen this movie, watched it in its entirety and read the book. A, A and I are on the other side of that fence. So, we're not saying anything bad. We're just, maybe it's not beloved. So we have some questions and Jackie's face is just like, I hate you. I hate you fucking bitches so much. Anyway, uh, who read first? I'm going to go ahead and just say Jackie did a long time ago. And then she's probably read it two or three more times before I even read it. So is that accurate? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I believe a, uh, we read it for the first time just recently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um so I I would say I watched the movie first because uh, Jackie sat with me on the couch and watched it. It's the first time I've ever seen it and then I read the book. So I am the movie watcher firster. Ooh. Here we go. Let's talk about what this book and this movie is about. Let's give a little overview since uh 
Jackie's read it first. She's going to go ahead and read us the Goodreads uh, dissertation on it. (laughs) It's not quite a dissertation. It's not as long as some of the other ones that we've had, but okay. That's fair. The Owens sisters confront the challenges of life and love in this bewitching novel from New York Times bestselling author Alice Hoffman. For more than 200 years, the Owens women have been blamed for everything that has gone wrong in their Massachusetts town. Jillian and Sally have endured that fate as well. As children, the sisters were forever outsiders, taunted, talked about, pointed at. Their elderly aunts almost seemed to encourage the whispers of witchery. With their musty house and their exotic concoctions and their crowd of black cats. But all Jillian and Sally wanted was to escape. One will do so by marrying, the other by running away. But the bonds they share will bring them back, almost as if by magic. Dot, dot, dot. Hmm. Magic, dot, dot, dot. All right. IMDb, five words or less. Here we go. Two witch sisters, raised by their eccentric aunts in a small town, face closed-minded prejudice and a curse which threatens to prevent them from ever finding lasting love. Sure. Okay. I mean, eccentric aunts, yeah. I don't know what... I don't know what this curse is, but was there a curse in the movie? Yeah, yeah, it's no Owen's woman could ever love a man because if she did, he would be killed. He would die. Oh, so they're saying it's an actual curse. Yes. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Reviews, our favorite, our absolute favorite part of this recording. I'm telling you, we really just need to do a show one day where it's just reviews because there are some gems out there. But anyway, Jackie, go ahead and uh, get us started on the Goodreads. On Goodreads, it has a rating, average rating of 3.73 out of 5, and that is about 130,000 ratings with just under 12,000 reviews. Uh, the highest concentration is going to be 4 out of 5 stars, uh, and the lowest is uh, 1 out of five. First one, five out of five. So I was unbelievably in love with this movie as a girl. And this book, while being completely different from the movie, was a wonderful read. The Owens ladies are complicated characters, but their story unfolds to reveal that being open to true love makes every struggle we face truly worth it. Highly recommend this magically sweet story. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Next review, four out of five. This is very different from the movie, so I can see why fans of the movie wouldn't be fans. I also am unsure how much I would have liked it if I'd read rather than listened to it, but I have a feeling I'd probably have wanted it to be condensed a little bit. But that said, I really enjoyed it. Oh, so that they listened to an audiobook? Yeah. Mm, Okay. I think uh, I could... Okay. I may have enjoyed the book more if I listened to it, if it was done right. I'm just speculating now. Anyway. Next review is another four out of five. Alice Hoffman's Practical Magic is one of those rare occurrences where the source material is only used as a basis for the movie, and then the movie is actually better because of it. Ooh. Which that kind of struck me as weird as being a four out of five. Yeah, that's like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I can see that. Maybe I would think a three at that point. Like you're not saying you hate it, 
but you're like, listen, the movie's better. This book's shit. I'm happy they took the premise. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next two reviews, my last two reviews are one out of fives. Uh, first one, no, just no. The characters and relationships we love so much from the movie does not exist in this book. Sally is so awful. I did not finish this book and have no plans to continue this series. Extremely disappointed. Oh, shit. DNF. Yeah. Most of the one-star reviews that I read were DNFs. I could see that. They're probably coming from the movie. Yep. And final one star. This started out as a promising story of sisters and turned into something else that was not at all interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Felt. All right. So IMDb has this. It actually, do you know that Goodreads has more ratings than the movie? There's only 92,000 ratings for the movie. I would have thought. You, okay, you know what? I'm just, I would have thought more people had watched the movie, but it's okay. So out of 92,000 ratings, there's only 318 reviews. Wow, that might be the largest discrepancy we've had in reviews to ratings. That's like not even a percent. Um, but it got a 6.3 out of 10. I am not shocked by that whatsoever. I think overwhelmingly it would probably... It's like five. Yeah, it look oh no, six. Looks like six is the overwhelming at 21.6%. Whew. All right, let's do this. 10 out of 10. Man, I don't get all the negative. I am sh- I am a straight guy and I love this movie. I don't understand all the hate. So people are just way too judgmental. Great movie. Screw the haters. But <laughs> I love how he says nothing about the movie, just that he's flabbergasted that anyone could say something bad about it. I like the fact that he felt the need to state that he was a straight guy. Oh my God. He loved this movie. (laughs) I, I am a straight guy. Good for you, buddy. Anyway, six out of 10. Worth seeing once. This film is definitely worth seeing once, but that is about it. It is cute, but unfortunately also forgettable. It does have its moments, but it's not Witches of Eastwick. Oh, wow, that's a different movie. I really did like the old house, however. <laughs> I love the architecture. <laughs> Witches of Eastwick is good, though. It is. It is good. And also the movie just witches with What's Her Face, where they like take their wigs off and then the kids become mice. Right? That's just called Witches. Yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love that. That is a good movie. I want to watch that now. Anyway, six out of 10 flowers and short sleeves in March. This movie took place in New England in March. Oh, that's right. The movie, yeah. The scene when he's taking her testimony and she's speaking into the microphone, he states the date is March something. I live in New England and I've never seen flowers and trees in full bloom and people walking around in sleeveless shirts. They still that gave, was, they still gave that it a was six. The, that was the most humorous review I that, could find. This this person was watching the movie, probably just like, oh, it's fine, whatever, but felt the need to come and write a review because they're like, dude, look around. <laughs> like this is not how it works up here. That's okay, that's fair. That is fair. If they're like, it's March and you're looking around and it looks like the middle of August, I that would piss me off too. One out of 10. Hated it. All caps, exclamation point. 
not only was this movie not what it was advertised to be, too bad, wait, too bad moviegoers can't sue for false advertising. (laughs) Okay, Karen, calm down. But it was the worst movie I've seen in a long time. A total waste of money. Oh, they saw it in the theater. The editing was terrible. The story was chaotic and uneven. The romance had zero chemistry. I couldn't believe the characters even liked all caps each other, let alone loved each other. The witchcraft was stupid and disgusting. I almost walked out after the bird scene. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And worst of all, it was boring. Was there a writer? It looked like it was pasted together with no forethought or planning. It makes Dumb and Dumber look like a work of art. What a mess. Damn. They went all in. Shit. With gusto. With gusto. They brought Dumb and Dumber into it. You gotta mm-hmm. be angry. I guess what was the bird scene? They is that where they like kill the bird? They, they stab they, it yeah. in the heart. Yeah, they stabbed it with a big pin or whatever, the big needle. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, okay, okay. <laughs> what a mess. Casting. This does have a great cast. I will give it that. There's some. There's some big name actors. So Sally Owens, which is the older sister, that is played by Sandra Bullock, the the adult version. Jillian Owens is played by Nicole Kidman. You know what I do remember about this movie? I I didn't see it when I was younger, but I remember the previews or the trailers for it. And I just remember Nicole Kidman's hair was so great, like so long and all the different layers in it. Mm -hmm. That's what I remember. I'm like, I want my hair like that. But then when you grow long hair, you realize that you fucking hate it. So... Anyway, Aunt Frances, that's Stalker Channing. Hell yeah. Aunt Jet is Diane West. Those are two. Uh, Stalker Channing is uh, from Greece. You remember? I would sit on her face. She is just idle. I love her. I love her. She's fantastic. She She can play like super badass, super sweet, super just stern. And she does it all. She does it all. And she's not traditionally beautiful, which I really like. Because um, I still think she's gorgeous. Though. Then we have Jimmy, the boyfriend that is played by. Uh, oh, that's right, Gor- Oh, I don't know how to say that name, like at all. Goran Goran Viznik. Yeah, he yeah he was the girl in the dragon tattoo. We um we did that as an episode, at, like one of the first episodes we did. He's also mm-hmm. um, where is he? He's in a lot of stuff. I think he got his big break in the United States on ER. ER, yes, that's what it was. I knew it was a TV show. ER, thank you, thank you. He's a sexy man. I think he is. I didn't really Not like so him. Not so much in this movie. No, I didn't like him in this movie. It, it gave off like um, trailer meth head creeper, probably a pedophile look. Like that's how he looked yeah. in the movie to me. Okay. Uh, Gary, who's the detective, is played by Aiden Quinn. Then we have Kylie, the daughter. This is Evan Rachel Wood. She was super young. <laughs> Antonia, which is played by Alexandra Artrip. And Michael, who is Mark Feuerstein. 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 Anyway. It means fire, Firestone. Firestone. Wow, he's got a cool name. Big names here, though. Sandra Bullock. If you don't know what she's been in, I mean, come on now. My favorite movie that she's in, Speed. Fight me. Yes. Speed is pretty good. Speed is pretty good. Proposal's pretty good. 
That's okay. Yeah. I think her I think her most recent one with uh Channing Tatum. Body pants. Yeah, that was hysterical. Oh, oh that I, movie was funny. The romance, like she's a romance novelist and they get Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it was fuck, that movie was good. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was mm, the two of them. They've done a, a bunch of things together. Um and then, you know, Nicole Kidman. If you don't know who she is, just Google Scientology and see that wreck of a marriage she had to Tom Cruise. Anyway, but she mm. is a famous actress on her own. She needs to stop getting the plastic surgery because it's just not looking right anymore. But I love her. Classic. All right, we're going to jump into the meat and potatoes of what we do in the show. And that is what's different. Now, I ask the question, I pose this. What did they even keep that's the same? These just are not, the names. Just her, her the quote. Name. The quote at the end. Always throw salt over your shoulder. Plant rosemary at the gate. That's the same. Oh, oh, is it really? Yeah, that quote at the very end of the book is the very same as the quote with what's her nuts and whatever, whatever the fuck they're taught. Whenever it happened, it's the same. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, I guess I could see that. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot of the like quote unquote magic stuff the spells which are are not spells um yeah but big thing right off the bat we are not even in the same location maybe the same general area the northeast but the book is uh connecticut and wait no right connecticut and long island Long Island. yeah yeah mm-hmm. i know long island i went to high school in long island <laughs> and where she's talking about that turnpike i know exactly wh- like where she's generally referencing and that is a that is not a nice area at all and when i heard when i'm reading the part about like kylie's going walking off on her own i'm like god damn that's no wonder she got like almost uh, accosted uh but they we go up to massachusetts right in the movie yeah yeah, it look it almost looks like Martha's Vineyard or something. It's one of those like really quaint sort of Cape Cod type areas, uh, which I guess if, visually it that works better for a movie because that is cuter. Um, Long Island is not uh, this cute, romancy, fluffy material. Long Island is like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's there's nothing cute going on on Long Island, so I get it. I get why they changed it. But I do. I also think that the New England setting in the movie lends itself better to the magic part of the story that they were going for. Explain. When you think (laughs) witches, where do you think? Oh, Salem. Yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, is that what they were doing? Yeah, but they they were more witches in the movie, though. Yeah, that's true. They definitely were. Yeah. But even in the book, when they're talking about the great great grandmother or whatever her fucking name is, um, that she that was not in uh, that was in Connecticut, right? Because that's the house that she built there, where the ants are living. I yeah. think so. Yeah. So even even the aunt that was apparently maybe a witch wasn't even up there. But I get it for movie wise, it it does make sense up there, Massachusetts. Uh, it's pretty, it's quaint, whatever. Cool. I'll forgive that. What I'm not going to forgive. <laughs> so they reverse the, the uh, series of events. So in the movie, 
they're, they're young, they're like orphans, they go to the ants. So that, that happens. But then they come back to the ants later, which is not true. They both run away from the ants, live their own lives. And then the ants come to them later. Yeah. Yeah. I think 90% of this book, the ants are not even around. They're not. (sighs) Nope. Yeah. So that was, uh, in the movie, it makes for that more like uh, matriarchal type family unit where the sisters all end up back at the aunt's house. The aunts are the ones that are, you know, bring them in, trying to take care of them with the younger girls, um, dealing with the the whole boyfriend thing, dealing with the dead husband thing, I, you know, dealing with the girls being made fun of. But then the the book is like, no, that's not what happened. And I kind of felt gypped in the book because of watching the movie first and, you know, Stockard Channing, I had like no ants. I had like no ant action in the book. And I felt, I felt, I felt gypped really. Nobody else felt that way. I mean, <laughs> I, I I have my own opinions about that. The aunt, I don't know. The aunts should have made it. Should have been more forward facing than the last like what was it like five pages at the end where they're like, let's go ahead and let's go take care of this now. Yeah, but nothing was taken care of. It's just like let's breathe. And it's done. <laughs> <laughs> like oh look a toad. You're like what? Yeah. Like, okay. Because I think if in the book, okay, in the movie, they go to the ants, right? I think in the book, if the ants were involved, even though they are absolutely fucking ridiculous in the book as well, and I think they're a big part of the problem, but the sisters, Jillian, no, what, yeah, Jillian and Sally, they are so traumatized and broken and absolutely horrible human beings that. The two of them, it's like putting oil, like, like, uh, trying to put oil out and water. Yeah. Yeah. Or trying yeah. to like put out fire with fire, which apparently we found out is a thing, but they are just so incapable of handling life and they're yeah. trying to do it together. Like what? Yeah, yeah. 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 It makes no sense. Jackie, this is your moment. You can say what you'd like about the ants. <laughs> So obviously in the movie, Sally is not actively trying to run away from the ants. It is the opposite in the books. Yeah. Like Sally stays with them and goes back to them, even though Sandra Bullock has this uh, voiceover where she is going over the rules to her daughters about how they're going to live while they're staying with the ants and stuff like that. Yeah. But in the book, she is actively trying to get away because she realizes that this is not the life that she wants. But ultimately, at the end, yeah, she realizes that she is not equipped to deal with that issue. And she does call the ants. So in the book, this is where I was having trouble understanding her. I know that, you know, when her husband dies, she's very upset. She's like basically comatose for a year where the ants have now taken over rearing her daughters. Because when she gets married, her and her husband move into the attic of uh, the ants' house, which this attic must be amazing because the way it's described, uh, you would think it was like a penthouse apartment or something. So the husband passes away because of the beetle 
which she hears the beetle, doesn't, nobody else hears it, he can't hear it, but then, you know, he di- How does he die again in the book? Uh, he was, like, hit by a car or something like that, or, like, by a truck. It's it's the same drunk, in the movie, kids. yeah. Yeah, drunk okay. kids hit him or something like that. Oh, the, yes, 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 that was what it was. It was but here's the, the thing, though, didn't he hear the, the death beetle? I could have sworn he heard the death beetle, because, like, wasn't there a scene where she was like, oh, it's not really happening, but no, it's really happening, but I'm just going to make pretend that it's not, even though I know that it is. And he heard it, too, and told her, don't worry about it. I... I don't I don't think he actually heard it. No, I think the no. ants say that like they can't hear it, but I would just think if you're hearing a bug that big all the time and ha- like why are you not exterminating? Because Sally needs medication. That is why. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So they have the two girls um they and already in the book, I don't like these these kids. They're babies and I don't like them the way they're describing how the older daughter, Antonio or Antonia is just like a fucking brat immediately. And so the ants give her a lot of attention because Sally and her husband are like so into the baby. Right. But then I was thinking how it's described. You're like, oh, this is normal. Like kids are jealous of the baby. But it almost sounded like Sally and her husband were neglecting. Antonia, and that's why the ants were like, "Don't worry, we'll we'll pay attention to you. And let you do whatever the fuck you want, and let you be a spoiled brat." Did anyone else get that feeling? Yeah, she was just kind of thrown to the side. It was it was really icky that whole interaction. So this is where I talk about the generational trauma stuff because the the main sisters, Jillian and Sally, they are orphaned and go to um, the ants, which. In the book, it it's really fucking sad because I don't know how the girls were raised, but um, <laughs> the fact that Sally is so militant and like knows what to do and how to contact her aunts because they need to, you know, they need supervise super uh, supervisor. They need like uh, adults. That's also really sad because that shows me or that speaks to me in the way that says like their parents did not take care of them to have a child that is that independent at such a young age to the point where she's caring for the younger sibling. But, you know, maybe I'm thinking too deep into it. So they go to the aunt's house and now the aunts are like, you can eat chocolate all day long. I don't care. And Sally's the one that's eight years old trying to put broccoli on plates. That's child abuse right there. Um, you don't have to, you know, take showers or baths. You do like, this is all what she's describing. Alice Hoffman, that is by the ants, letting these two girls do whatever they want, basically run feral. I'm like, this is child abuse that we're reading about. And she's trying to play it off. Like it's cute. And, um, that they're just free spirits and they're letting the kids be free spirits. I'm like, what? I honestly don't think that was the intent. I think that you're supposed to see that as tragic. So we're supposed to see them that whole as like child abuse or neglect. Tragic, I think, is a good word. It's like feel bad for the kids because they have no direction. Yeah, I mean, I've... This is where A and I have talked about this a little bit, where I don't know if Alice Hoffman 
if the writing in this is ironic or not, because a lot of it just feels like it's a bit too um, satirical. But then I'm like, I, there's nothing that really points to that, though. I've read other books of hers and the same kind of themes are in those books. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like the person is the person that they are present day because of the shit that happened in the past. And it's not, you're not supposed to be sympathetic or think it's cute or anything like that. You're just supposed to say, Hey, that's a really shitty situation. Okay. I can get behind that. I can get, I think maybe watching the movie first, tainted my reading experience because the movie is so fluffy and happy. Mm -hmm. So when I'm reading the book, I'm, I have that sort of taste in the back of my mouth. And so when I'm reading these words and how they're described, I go, this is fucking awful. These poor kids, no wonder they're just absolute trash. Um, So that let's move on. They're getting a little bit older, the girls and uh, Jillian is, beautiful we we get it all right she's absolutely stunning but the way it's described and the way the answer like yeah just be free don't settle down do whatever you want here just like use a condom and i'm like how old are these girls because if they're both still in high school together sally i believe is three years older than jillian so if they're both still in high school jillian uh, sally is let's say 17 and is three years older than her sister, who's in high school. That means that her sister is 14, give or take a year. And the aunts are telling her, like, go be wild and free. Here's a condom. Did anyone else pick that up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's, I think it's definitely one of those situations where you're just supposed to be like, that is a really fucking shitty situation. I mean, it is. So, okay. I agree with you there. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so I think this is what is what's happening here is that we've, I've seen the movie first and I'm reading this and I'm like, this is really bad. This is, this is not funny. And I'm all I'm thinking is like Sandra Bullock and um, what's her face? Nicole Kidman. Anyway. So we have that. Another difference from the movie to, or from the book to the movie is that the daughters, Sally's daughters, uh, we see them as their children and as they get old, but we kind of like skip time and now they're in high school. So we have Kylie is the younger one who is, she has a 13th birthday during the book. And then her older sister, Antonio, I believe Antonia is what, 16, I think. Yeah. So six, yeah. 16, 13, kind of same age difference as the, as the mother and her sister. I, again, now, when we, when we talk about the girls being with the aunts and we're like, that's a really shitty situation and that's, that's awful. But now we have Sally, who is supposed to be breaking this generational trauma, who has moved away and purposely does not want to subject her children to that. But then Alice Hoffman, who is the author, so here's the voice that's coming across, is the daughters, Sally's daughters, are hypersexualized. That's where I was like, I couldn't tell if Alice Hoffman was being ironic or not. Because if for Sally and Jillian, while they're growing up, I can get behind that. It makes sense because they are, have no guidance. Their aunts are absolutely horrible at raising them. 
But if the whole point is Sally moves away so her children have stability um, and, you know, not that, but they're still, the author's still talking about them in a very hypersexualized way. I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I can see that for Antonia, but how how for Kylie, like I understand like Jillian does the makeover and whatever. And then she's walking across that field and she almost gets assaulted uh, by those guys at 13. But so um, for Kylie, I mean, it's not, it's obviously not as much as Antonia, but for Kylie, like there's so many lines where she's like, well, I'm a woman now. I'm a woman now, like a woman where (sighs) this is again, we all have daughters. Jackie and I have teenage daughters. So we've we've seen this where, and we've also lived it, where we're maybe we're 13, 14. We have daughters that were 13 or 14, where they think like that. They're like, I'm grown now. The hormones take over. And they're like, you got this. You know, tell that bitch to shut her mouth. I can see that. But the situations that she's being put in is a little... Odd. You know what I think I was creeped out about too is that she's the one that is seeing Jimmy. So all of the interaction with his his really nasty ghost is between Kylie and him. Maybe I, I'm going a little too deep on that, but I was that also creeped me out. Yeah, I think the point of that is to say that if there was a gift in the Owens female line, then Kylie was the one that got it, and it's a tough thing, like talk about death of innocence yeah i can see that because she has this whole 13 becoming a woman they have that whole uh blowout with her friend gideon who's like how dare you how dare you be pretty Gideon mvp i don't care gideon's mvp won't forever be in that book (laughs) (laughs) forever gideon in the book was kind of cool he but he also just sounded like a jerk teenage boy um yeah so i didn't really I was like that that's what they do like fuck boys um i i think in the movie them aging the girls down was the right move because then you're it's it becomes more um fantastical right with because you have uh the ants and the girls and there's sort of like seeing things through the children's eyes where i think if you had teenage girls the movie would have <laughs> I feel like teenage girls in themselves would give it a much darker tone. Yeah. And they didn't have to add in a lot of the darker stuff that was in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember in the movie, does uh, Kylie and Jillian, is Sally jealous of them? No. Okay. Yeah. So we take out that thing where I, in the book where Alice Hoffman is is portraying when Jillian comes back uh, and moves in with Sally to help her. We'll get to that because, you know, her boyfriend's dead. And she starts to build this relationship with Kylie because Ki- there she's staying in Kylie's room, which again, here's another thing. If Mo came to live with you, Jackie, and like for whatever reason, would you like put her in Annabelle's room with Annabelle? No. Yeah, and 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 it's nothing like inappropriate or I'm not even suggesting that. It's just this is a grown woman. Why are you putting her in a bedroom with your preteen daughter? Like it's it's awkward for everyone involved. But then she Yeah, gets, I mean yeah. when we had 
when we had people stay with us when I was growing up, I remember if there were more than like one or two people, one of us had to give up our room and we were sleeping on a cot in our sibling's room so that somebody else could take our bed. Yeah. Or it's like, if it's just your sister, like let her sleep in your room. Like that's your sister. Mm -hmm. I understand you're angry at each other, but if if you don't, if you feel like your sister is such a horrible person, why are you giving her a majority of her stay time with your teen daughter? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so because they're spending all this time together, they they grow a relationship. Which I mean, I I feel like it, that's the trope, right? That's that you know forced proximity trope. Like you're gonna grow a relationship, you're gonna grow common ground and and whatever. But I feel like. Um, Jillian's character in the book sort of takes Kylie under her wing and, you know, tries to give her some confidence because Kylie is working with some confidence busters. She's abnormally tall for her age. Um, Her hair is, I guess, not that great. (laughs) Um, And she's like sort of slouchy and stuff. So Jillian comes in and is like, hey, I'm going to help you get some confidence, which that might have been the most purest thing to happen in the book. Where I go, that makes sense. But then Sally's angry now because she's jealous of the relationship between Ch- Jillian and Kylie. Am I, the, am I being unreasonable to sit back and go, bitch, this is your fault? I think no. Sally wanted to take the girls away because she wanted them to be away from the aunts and all that stuff. But at the same time, I don't think she was really equipped to deal with the teenage girls. I don't think she knows how to. And based on everything that is said in the book about Sally, it doesn't look like she spends that much time with them aside from their, what is it, two-week trip up to see the aunts every summer. Oh, in August, yeah. I think that the aunts were probably the most parental of the entire group. In the book? Yeah. So, I mean, you have two very, very disconnected personalities. You have Jillian, who farts roses, and then you have Sally, who uh, blames everybody else but herself. Yeah. And then you have the aunts that just kind of go with the flow. They're like, you know what? I'm too old for this. Let me stop stressing. Let me, with some exceptions, because some of the stuff they did was was nasty, like with the girls and the condoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just want to light you on fire because nobody does that. I mean, some people um, do, and that's called child abuse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But in in the grand scheme of things, the aunts kind of, I don't even remember the question. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, we're going to, Sally's angry at uh, Jillian because she's built this relationship with Kylie. But I was saying, like, it's kind of her fault. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I didn't even understand that whole part. It, it didn't make any sense to me at all because why why would you be angry from like what you said from manipulation that you allowed to occur and we're so disconnected from it just doesn't make any sense as to why there would be that emotional reaction when you're not even involved in your children's life as it is yeah and it makes it seem like she is invested but it she's doing like a million things so basically everything that sally wants to be a part of in the movie and she's sort of ostracized from that's the stuff she's doing in the book. So they took her character and flipped it because that makes more sense in the movie is that they yeah. have this, you know, that the whole town knows and they don't in- include her in their reindeer games. 
Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the PTA meeting was probably like how their relationship in the book should have been portrayed, but wasn't. Yeah. Because there in the movie, blood is thick. They come and they stick with each other through their own through their own fuck ups. But in the book, it's like, what about me, Jillian? And Jillian's like, oh, I'm going to go do this. There's just so much disconnect between family. It just. Yeah. Gross. I think you you nailed it on that where the movie does better. But here's the thing. It's like if that's not the intent of the story about, you know, blood is thicker than water, sisters stick together. Like, I get it. Like, I'm not I'm not judging the book for not being that. But it almost is portrayed. It's presented in a way where you feel like that is supposed to be the moral of the story. Um, But the movie is the one that portrays it like that. The book is like we're we're women. We come from a long line of strong, independent women. But in reality, it that's that's not really what's happened. It's like you may be a strong woman, a smart woman, but you are where you are because of decisions that you made about men. Yeah, it's just a reality. They're all train wrecks. They're all hot ass rain tracks or rain tracks. Rain train tracks. tracks. I like that. I'm using rain that. tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so that, here, that's really what it was. So let's think about. It. Let's go back to in the in the book. We have the original uh, Owens woman. Yeah, yeah. Who, back in like Mariah. The 70- Mariah. Yeah. So what was that like 1700s or something? She comes over and she's got a baby, and then we find out that she's following a married man that she obviously had an affair with and got pregnant, and now he's like, "No, I came to America. Like, bitch, back up. You are my side piece. I want nothing to do with you." Um. And and to the point where it's clearly violent because she will walk there on foot with a baby in tow and come back with like an injury. That's how they thought like, you know, um, she was the witch at first because the crow, uh, he he knocked the crow's wing or whatever. Then all of a sudden she comes out the next day with uh, her arm wrapped up. So she builds this amazing house she has these 12 contractors come builds this amazing house she's on her own as a woman in the 1700s like that is impressive but all of this is like just wiped out and neutralized because she's there following a man and and groveling over a man and then when she finally comes back really really hurt now she's petty and she goes i'm never gonna i'm i'm you know make sure that bump is in the portrait that you paint of me because I want to remember it, that I'll never let this happen again. But all she's done is like completely done a 180 and is on the other side of that spectrum where she's like toxic feminism now. Yeah, she's living her best single white female or basic white female, whatever that movie is called. Single it, yeah. Yeah. So now we know that that's where it's been passed down. That we are strong, independent women. We don't need no man. But all of the decisions, all of the life-changing decisions that they make are based on men. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much the, the definition of toxic femininity. So this is why I go, I don't understand if it's irony or if this is satire on Alice Hoffman's point because if the men were not involved the male characters and how they are so interweaved with the women and what they're doing i could take this as you know generational trauma the women are doing this because it's been passed down 
I, I can get behind that. But if it's supposed to be like, we're strong, independent women, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, how do I say that? I, I'm not feeling it with the way that she's okay. So she's describing all the guys in the, in the book as like, they're always horny. They're always, they always have a heart on they're disgusting, you know, and that the women are like, just fucking salivating over them. Um, that to me, I'm like, you know what? Men are fucking disgusting. I respect. Yes, absolutely. But at the same time now, like what's his face, the gym teacher, Ben or whatever he is, the oh, yeah, biology yeah, yeah. teacher. Like, yeah. okay. He sits outside her house on the front porch for how long? Wasn't it like a whole day or something like that? Like he kept coming back like every day. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I know that there are women that are reading this book going, oh my God, that's romantic. (laughs) (laughs) It's not romantic. It's it's not. Like, this is, I feel like when Jackie and I did the reread of Twilight, we're like, that's fucking stalker. That's abusive. That's manipulative. It also kind of showed his character too. What was it? They were sitting at the restaurant and he was like going over his head while he was tying like knots or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. It. I don't <sighs> listen you can have your kinks I, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that yeah that's but if that's, that's cool, exactly if that's just where your mind goes <laughs> like I don't understand how how something can be considered feminist when you're doing the complete opposite of what feminism is and I think that's where I struggled a lot with the book is you're I not don't empowering think, women I don't think Alice Hoffman ever proclaims to be a feminist in her writing okay what I'm reading is many of her works fall into the genre of magic realism and contain elements of magic irony and non-standard romances and relationships. The magic realism where? That's a good question. Where though? Where? Where is the magic? That might not specifically be this book. She has written other books that do have more overt examples of magic. But you're supposed to kind of get a feel of some kind of like, the like saving me right now. Like something bigger is going on. Like this is not just a coincidence. Yeah, it's not always in their control. Things happen, but they happen for a reason. It's it's kind of like a magical version of the butterfly effect. Oh. They don't have to come out and say, this is a spell book. We're going to read these words and do this spell and this is going to happen. It's just natural occurrences that happen at the same time, but maybe out of context, like not in the right season, like in the book with the um, flowers flowers out of season. Yeah, that that was weird. Bloom, but bloom in abundance. Yeah. I mean, I can't. That obviously is strange, right? And then uh, he's present in ghost form, and then there's like other things that pop up where it's weird. I don't know if Alice Hoffman is the best at connecting all of that, so it always feels a little detached in the book. Uh, but but you did name one of those things. You said it was like something irony. Yeah. Which what what was it again? It just says that her uh, work falls into the genre of magic realism and contain elements of magic, irony, and non-standard romances and relationships. Okay, magic, comma irony. Yeah. Okay. 
now I feel a little bit better because if it's, if that's what, okay. So I'm sitting there going, is this, is this ironic or not? It feels like it is. So I get it. I, maybe I'm just not used to reading books like this where I, I was trying not to think deep on anything. Cause I'm like, this is just, you know, like it's chiclet. It's, it's fine. Like Jackie and I read, uh, the devil wears Prada. That was our first episode. We were not expecting that book. Um, yeah. <laughs> where like Annie's fucking awful, but yeah, there's a lot of themes that I got taken out that I took from this book with the generational trauma, the, you know, the, the sisters, the movie wants you to believe that blood is thicker than water. I, I want to say, I think the movie ruined the book for me, but I don't think I would have liked the book anyway, because a lot of it is just, I don't know. Maybe if I were younger reading this for the first time, I would appreciate it. But like as a older, not that I'm old, but like as older in my life, later in my life with teenage daughters and seeing all the bullshit that they can get into um, and just how stressful that is. I read this book and I cringed the entire time. It was like painful for me reading this book. I mean, that's fair. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just giving you my experience. Um, I'm trying to think if there is anyone in the book that I actually could get behind. I know that A is all about Gideon. I don't... Gideon, Gideon was the most normal person. The most normal functioning person in the entire book. But also not. <laughs> still better. Still better than 90% of the cast. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about the detective... <laughs> the one that doesn't lead but this dick yeah yeah <laughs> that's where the book really i got lost because i was i was angry reading but when we got to gary i was like gary <laughs> like why is he here America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i will i was i will say this about his character in the movie it made well, no, because they still did the letter and everything like that. But I think in the book, the reasoning was a little bit better because what was his reason for being there? He found the letter, but he was investigating Jimmy for what reason? He in the movie, he gave some kids some drugs or whatever, and they I think they overdosed and died. Yeah, and in the book, it was similar, but it was he gave them peyote and they smoked him one time and died. Something like that. Yeah, it was laced. Yeah. It was laced with yeah. something, I think. So, like, because Jimmy's a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, he's a complete dirtbag. Yeah. Uh, what I didn't get in the movie, and I don't understand why this was necessary, but the spell that Sally cast as a child to invent this person that she would fall in love with who could never exist. That made more sense to me in the movie than it did in the book. Because in the book... Like she just word vomits everything to him completely randomly. There's no connection. There's no, there's nothing that ties them together outside of the investigation with Jimmy. Right. But in the movie, they closed that loop and they created a connection. So when she went and she spilled her guts, it made more sense than the random guts spilling in the book so i mean yeah i think the movie did for, it better yeah because in the book sally's uh, you know penchant for self-preservation 
really yeah. should not have allowed her to be like, I have to go. I have to go to his motel yeah, in the yeah, middle yeah, of the yeah, night there, to tell him. But like, what? <laughs> Bitch, yeah, there was bed. no connection. There was no connection, especially with the, the knee jerk reaction that happened when Jillian shows up at her house for the first time in forever and she's not like i think i got a dead body and sally's like what about me jillian like that doesn't match what she did with the detective so i think the movie created a connection where the book didn't and the book just kind of threw him there like ben and jillian just there you go here's another relationship yeah yeah you know what i'm not gonna beat it up too much because i don't want jackie to feel bad because she shouldn't she enjoyed a book that i did not and i want her to keep enjoying that experience. I don't want to taint it for her. <laughs> There's just so much stuff in the book where I'm like, oh my God, why? <laughs> Everybody it, is entitled to their own opinion and you guys are every, part of everybody. So <laughs> it's not going to sway how I feel about the book. What do you, what do you mean by everybody? Jackie? <laughs> what do you mean? You everybody, <laughs> everybody on this planet <laughs> is allowed to think whatever they want about any given piece of literature or any movie or show or anything like that. Just like I have my own opinions. I'm not going to sit here and try and defend my choices. And I'm just going to discuss with you. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> She's like, I fucking hate the two of you. <laughs> I mean, I think it's not a bad book. I didn't hate it. I did, re I did rage read it. It's written very well. It is. The language is absolutely beautiful, but there were just not enough connections and the relationships didn't make sense, which made resonating with the characters incredibly difficult. Yeah, that was hard, like feeling anything other than the same for any of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like oh, when yeah. Sally meets Gary and they're, they're hitting it off, I was kind of like, ugh. Like, I don't even I don't even spank my own kids. I've never wanted to bend a child over my leg so damn fast as I did with them two girls. They needed their wigs snatched. Them badass kids. Yeah, they were really bad. They were horrible. And Sally needed her ass beat for letting them grow to be that wretched but of I, human beings. But I think it goes back to like what Jackie was saying is she wanted to get away from her aunts, but she had no idea what she was doing. With those I mean, at some, at some point, if you ain't on drugs or you ain't got some type of liquor addiction, you, there's a point where you have to be able to function as an adult. And Sally was living her best teenage life as a 30 something year old woman. <laughs> yeah. so, I, <laughs> I think they're like in their mid 30s. That that's because I, I think it's about 18 years that go by. I mean, she said the whole reason she took a job at the school was to have the summers off. So, yeah. yep, because she wanted to yeah, spend it with her kids, but she lived her best teenage dream. Yeah. <sighs> Listen, <laughs> this book is I. It's okay, but these characters, which again, if that's what it's supposed to be, this author wrote six of the most unbearable characters to ever cross the piece of paper. I think she's successful then. Cause that's, I mean, she definitely did it. Uh, mm, I agree. Now what do we have? Who's the one that's uh, Antonia starts dating? 
Mm, I don't remember. I don't even remember his name. Anyway, so he's like in college. She's 16 because, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. No, none of them have any sort of supervision. So nobody knows what the fuck is going on. The 13-year-old almost gets raped off the side of the turnpike. Um, Antonia's doing whatever. She's not bathing. Um, and here, this is what I couldn't stand about the book. Everything else I could have got behind and been like, you know what? It's just a story. That they're just unlikable characters. They have flaws. I'm cool. But everything was directly related to a man. So... Sally's husband dies. She sees her, you know, she's, she didn't have a problem with the ants before that. She's just like, no, you can't have candy all day. And it was kind of like a ha ha ha. But then the husband's great. He's doing everything around the house. Um, so they all live in harmony. Like they're all living in harmony because of the man, her husband. He dies. She goes to comatose for a year, a whole year. She's like, not doing anything with their daughters to the point where the ants took over. Now she moves where I'm like, instead of her just being an adult and being like, Hey, listen, um, I I'm back here. I was grieving. She's like, I got to get away. It's my aunt's fault. Like, no, no, you were comatose. You did nothing with your kids for a year. Anyway, move away to long Island, which at that point I'm like, you went from Connecticut to long Island. Like that's expensive. Like, how are you getting this money? Anyway, Get there. Girls are getting older. Uh, Sally shows, uh, not Sally, Jillian shows up because she's with her boyfriend that she killed by accident. It's like manslaughter at best. Um, So that brings them together. Every point of this plot was moved by a man. Then you have the daughters. Gideon uh, kind of freaks out on Kylie when she comes in all like made up and stuff at the birthday. So now she's all like in her feelings. Antonia, when Ben, the teacher shows up at the restaurant and is all over uh, Jillian, that's when Antonia goes into her little spiral and is showering and all that stuff. And for teenage girls, like that makes a bit more sense. I get it. You know, boy crazy. But then everything that Sally's, uh, not Sally, Jillian's doing after that is because of Ben. You know, she's even avoiding him because she goes, I'm, I'm a problem. I'm thinking everything I touch goes to shit. I can't, I can't. Instead of her going, there's this dude who's stalking me and who always has like a half chub. <laughs> like it, it to the Cause Alice Hoffman talks about it a lot about how he's always hard. Yeah. It was the same thing in the beginning of the book too. When they, with the chick that did the whole spell initially, cause she wanted to be with the married man. Yeah. And she's talking about how, like, he just is fucking her to the point her vagina is about to fall off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he's just sitting there drinking his coffee, staring at her while she's working. But I don't, I don't get it. So then now we have the guy that's coming back for college. He's delivering to the ice cream place that Antonia's working. Because of him, now Antonia, like, showers again and becomes a decent human being. Um, Jillian takes in Ben and now she becomes like a bearable human being. And then Gary shows up and now Sally becomes a bearable human being. So (laughs) am I missing something? I don't think so. Does this have a happily ever after? Is that how this book ends? (laughs) I spaced out. 
I think I think it did end happily ever after. It ended with the quote about always throw like salt over your shoulder, plant rosemary at your gate. Like they were all happy, like the last two pages. Yeah, I think I would have liked a little bit more with the Jimmy. Um, not the whole necromancy thing like in the movie, but something more than flowers and a 13-year-old spending some one-on-one time with him. Yeah, yeah. I think it was definitely more impactful about how he just refused to let her go in the movie than in the book. But also, she killed him. So I feel like I'm almost a little Team Jimmy, just like a little bit. She killed him. (laughs) Until she talks about how much he hit her. Yeah, of course. He's an absolute shitbag. But the whole thing, like him not letting go of go, well, you killed him and then buried him in your sister's backyard. So I'm just talking, and like ghost rules. I feel like that's not super shocking. No, not really. (laughs) That's that's what I mean. I'm not talking, I mean, team ghost Jimmy, not team like (laughs) beating a bitch Jimmy. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen Jimmy like straight possess somebody, maybe, you know, flap some covers open, maybe knock some glasses over. And not just stand in the flowers like a creeper. <laughs> he just smoking a cigarette. <laughs> He's just there hanging out. Just like, hey, girl. What's up? I'm making your garden pretty. <laughs> <laughs> With flowers that make everybody cry. That didn't oh. make any fucking sense to me. Yeah, because there's always women showing up. And then. Yeah. There's the, the two. This is where I, I actually had a little bit of a fit. And I had to put the book down. So Kylie's standing at the window and she's watching them all and she can like feel their feelings. Uh, So you have the two that's a grandmother and a granddaughter and they're there because the dad or the woman's son passed away. But the way that Alice Hoffman writes about it, it goes, um, if only they, you know, didn't basically coddle him and made him, you know, uh, be more responsible. The fact like, so however this dude died, was clearly his own fucking fault but the two women are standing there blaming themselves do you remember that yeah Mm. yeah yeah i don't the whole the whole flower thing just like the the randomness of it like i had adjusted to the weird shifts and then there's like this little speck of dark and then it just goes off the walls that whole flower thing made no sense to me uh like at all from the girls the two women crying to them growing and them just letting them grow they're just like yeah they don't they don't they don't grow at this time of year but we're just gonna leave them alone and stare at them because flowers and she'd rather sally would rather fight off the botanists or whatever they are than (laughs) they came from stony brook too stony brook's a good school a good hospital um (laughs) oh we're just we're just beating it up now we're just beating it up. Um, it is beautifully written. The characters are definitely Rage not. They are, but here's the here's the other side of that. They um, are not flat. They aren't. No. So they are very well developed. Just developed into absolute awful people. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. I think okay. I can understand why Jackie likes this book. I think she also read it when she was a lot younger, right, Jackie? And then you reread it. Mm-hmm. So 
I see it because Jackie as a person is a much nicer person than you and me combined. Eh? Um, she has a lot more empathy than you and me. So when she's reading about these characters, I think that's she's seeing the bigger problem and she know Jackie can empathize. I'm reading it. I'm like, you stupid bitch. <laughs> the whole time. That's kind of how it is sometimes. It is. So I, I can see. So I feel like if you're listening out there and you are a person that's a bit more reserved, a bit more quiet, a bit more empathetic, like Jackie D here, you are probably the reader that enjoys this book because you're looking at it like the out, outside looking in. You're like, oh, my God, like this is a tragic situation. This is how they're coping. And this is why they're so damaged. I can see it objectively. I can stand on the sidelines and see it. But when I'm reading, like I always want to be immersed in the book. I want to feel like I'm part of the story. And this book made me want to run for the hills. Like I would fucking set that house on fire and walk off. But it was written well. Anyway, are we ready to talk about um, our reviews? Let's answer the question first. So I think I think Jackie schooled us earlier about what the magic is. It's these things lining up, these events lining up with situations. And it's, it's just maybe not explicit, but it's a bit more than simple coincidence. So I feel like there's enough in the book and the movie to imply that. Um, I'm, I just, I don't know what the practicality is. Anybody? Yeah, no, I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't think of it either. It just, it didn't, it didn't add a, I think maybe the practicality came from the, how old girl who got old boy to leave his wife and was fucking her raw, decided to go evil on the girls and then she lost her voice. Maybe that's the practical part of it, but losing a whole, a whole ass car isn't really practical. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, I don't think um, slaughtering birds and animals in your house in front of neighbors is practical. Anyway, the feminism part two, but again, Jackie schooled us diligently saying that's not what Alice Hoffman wants. Alice Hoffman's not a feminist. And we're not saying she is. We're not saying the book is. I was, my questioning on this book came from the perspective from the movie where you have this strong female familial unit matriarchy you know blood is thicker than water so i had that going into this book and when every single page was a direct contradiction to that i couldn't relate um so i don't think it's i don't think it's toxic especially if alice hoffman's doing it in this sort of like pseudo ironic way where she's pointing out realities and just like exaggerating them a bit like how the men you know how they think like they think with their dick and not their head that and how she portrays that in the book i feel it's true any thoughts jackie Uh, no i think i've already said everything that i want to say i mean like one one thing that i was thinking was shit now i can't remember what that was oh no (laughs) Jackie's over there just raging. She's like, these fucking cunts. <laughs> I, am, I am not raging, and I would never call the two of you that word. 
That is true. I call it's myself a, bad a cunt. Word. It's not a bad word. I only use it when I really dislike somebody. I have heard you say it in the Starbucks drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember what I was going to say. Okay. A lot of Alice Hoffman's books have female lead characters. Uh-huh. And a lot of those females are victims of circumstance in one way or another. Mm. Ultimately, the plots of her books revolve around how those females deal with those circumstances. And it's not always how you would think they should react. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe, I, I think maybe, she's, nope. <laughs> I think, um, I think it's, a, it's, it seems like it's exaggerated, but if you really think about it, if you were to put this as real people, um, how it kind of plays out in the book kind of rings true. If you have women that are that damaged and, you know, staying in these abusive relationships, we, I mean, we see that constantly, women not leaving abusive relationships and thinking that it's okay and how Jillian works through that during, um, you know, when she's coping with looking back on what Jimmy did. Uh, And then the teenage girls, I mean, that maybe that's the problem is maybe it just all rings too true that we're sitting here going, no. You should be a strong female lead character. You better tell him go fuck himself. And because they don't, and it really just is written out how maybe a damaged woman would act in one of these situations, it's a little too raw for us to be set um, against, you know, this magical realism or this sort of, it should be sort of fantastical type thing. It's like a cognitive dissonance. That's what's happening when we're reading it. I can respect that. Okay. All right, let's do our reviews. Um, Jackie, you go ahead. You you do your review first. All of them. Okay, the book, I'm going to say a four out of five. Uh, I hold to that, and I will stick with that until my dying day. Why not five, um, though? Reported. Oh, <laughs> Because I do have issues with the flow of the book a little bit. It's a little bit jarring at times, but Ooh, okay. ultimately... The story resonates with me. Felt respect. Okay. Movie, I would say a six out of 10, and that's a very generous six out of 10. Um, I did actually watch the movie before I read the book. Ooh. So it was a little alarming going into the book and reading it and realizing that this is not the, the fluffy sunshine and rainbows that was on the screen. Um, the soundtrack is amazing. Soundtrack's good. I love, love Stevie Nicks. It's just, there were a lot of things that they did in the movie that I couldn't get behind and kind of make me cringe a little bit. Um, the biggest one would be the freaking one-liner at the end after they dust Jimmy. Let's clean house. Let's clean house. (laughs) Yeah. I I wanted to punch things, maybe... Maybe not not puppies. I wouldn't punch a puppy, but a full grown, feral, awful cat if I wouldn't get scratched. Jackie, why are we abusing animals? <laughs> She's like, I'm trying to express how that movie made me feel. And it Figurative would be- cat then. 
No, actually, Jackie's sitting there. She's like, if my husband will sit next to me, well, the first time I watched that, I would smack the shit out of him. <laughs> no. But it, and that wasn't the only moment in the movie that made me cringe a little bit. Everybody at the end, it's it's kind of an iconic scene when they jump off the roof. But I'm like, really? Really? They really? jump off a roof? They do. Yeah. Halloween after all the shit like dies down and the town accepts We're them. The- Oh. Pointy witch hats and all this mm-hmm. other bullshit. Oh, I must have spaced out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. A, but that's me. Thank you, Jackie. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to start the book. I think I can respect it for what it is. I think that uh, Alice Hoffman has quite a beautiful command of the English language. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely won't be reading any more of her shit, though. Um, and the movie, I mean, for what it is, I think the movie kind of hits more on the magic, magical realism, the practicality of it, the trauma bonding, generational trauma breaking of cycles a little bit better. So, I mean, if you're looking for something fluffy and something cute, maybe not make you so punch worthy. I'd watch the movie. I think if you are a big fan of like where the crawdad sing, you'll probably love this fucking book too. Oh, that's um, fair. I'm 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 fucking judging you 100 percent though, and except for you, Jackie, you don't count. You're not a part of that. Um, everybody else, you definitely are. But yeah, yeah I where think the crawdad sing. Yeah, fuck that book too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can respect it for what it is. I definitely won't read it. Um, nor will I read the rest of the series but that's for separate reasons Mm, that's fair Mm. i uh i'll start with the movie since i watched it first um it's cute but i think because i watched it for the first time so much later in life than what it the target audience is um, it's kind of felt like the princess bride for me where everyone was so hyped about me watching it for the first time. And then we watched it and Jackie does that thing where she looks over and she goes, yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm just like, ha it was good. I liked it. <laughs> I liked, I liked it. It, it was, it's cute. Um, but I'll probably never watch it ever again. The book, if I didn't love Jackie to absolute pieces, um, or commit to the doing this podcast, I would have DNF'd the shit out of it. Like, I think I would have DNF'd it before Jillian even showed up on her doorstep with a dead boyfriend in the front seat. Yeah. So I would say, watch the movie. Jackie says... Read. Jackie says, read it. She says, the movie's stupid. I actually agree with Jackie. I think the movie is stupid as well. Um, but if you had to... If somebody was holding a gun to your head... And you're like, I just want to have a good time. I'd say watch the movie. All right. So next episode, when we get to it, will be The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I have not read the book, nor have I watched the movie. So I'm going to let you guys tell me which one I should do first. I've read the book before, but it's movie. Weird. You should do movie book. Movie first and then book. Yeah, I've read and watched both of them. You should do movie, movie book. Okay. I will watch the movie then. Maybe I'll do that tonight. All right. Well, there we go. Um, Our practical magic. It's not very practical or magical, but 
you know what? It's Jackie likes it. And that's why we did it. And we'll continue to do books and movies that Jackie likes, even if it drives me crazy. Um, and then next, yeah, next uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So until then, you know, bye. 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 <laughs>